0: Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Thank you, Pastor. All right. Good morning, everyone. So excited to be here. I am uh, honored. To stand in the pulpit and um, so thankful for our pastors um, their trust in me and their trust in God you know just living in a place where you can watch people stand on the Word of God and demonstrate for you what it means to live a life that follows the Lord Um, I'm very thankful for our pastors and um, so excited about what God is saying and doing through our church and and, uh, through all of us as we work together to follow the Lord. Um, So we're going to be in the book of Acts in chapter four. Um, Of course, pastor's been ministering on this and... um, it's, it's just been amazing. Um, I've learned so much listening to him minister, and I'm excited about what he's doing and what God is doing through us. Um, so let's pray, I know he prayed already, um, but I just like, we're gonna, we're gonna read a chapter about prayer. We're gonna start with prayer, we're gonna end with prayer. We're probably gonna pray in the middle because that's kind of the thing that God has on my heart, all right? So Father God, we're coming to you today to open your word and gain insight. Um, help me to say what you want said. Help me to say it in a way that's easy to grasp, easy to bring insight, and to help people live and walk in what you bring forth. That we wouldn't just hear this word and leave and go, oh, that was a good message. Oh, that was, yeah, whatever. But that it would be something that would help us today, tomorrow, this week. Your word says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And you said you'd give it to us all generously. And that you don't hold anything back. So we're asking you for your wisdom today, your truth, your solutions, your way of doing things. We choose to do it your way. And we thank you for it. And in Jesus' name, we believe we receive it. So when we see in the word that the Lord wants to answer our prayers, he wants to answer our prayers. He doesn't just say, you know, it's not an exercise of praying just to Give you something to do. He wants to answer prayers. So we're going to start with a little recap. Um, Pastor Pete has been going verse by verse through the book of Acts. So we started with Peter and John. They went to prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon and they saw this man at the gate beautiful. The man's healed by faith in Jesus' name. He, we're going to see, is over 40 years old. He jumps up, leaps around, runs into the temple, which would be like our church, okay? So imagine we got some guy that's been out on the street begging for 40 years. And you guys have been coming to church and driving by and maybe stopping and giving him a quarter or buying him lunch for 40 years. How many of you are under 40 years old? Okay. <laughs> got it by a week. Um, Under 40. Okay, so it's been your entire life. Every time you've come on this campus, every time you've come in, you've seen this guy out at the front. And he's just begging and people are giving him stuff. And then suddenly, you know, okay, you know, you know he can't walk. He can't do stuff. And by the way, you weren't driving by him. You're walking past him. Okay? And you're giving him stuff. And you've got to either look at him every time you come in or turn your head and look another way. Every time for 40 years. And suddenly, he's in here dancing, screaming, jumping, and praising God. Now, think about it. If you hadn't been able to stand and you can stand, do you think it would have been important to you? (laughs) I mean, I think it made a big deal to him. This is a life-changing event for him. Not only that, he couldn't, because of his condition, he was not allowed to come into the temple. He wasn't allowed to. So suddenly he's healed and he can suddenly come in a place that you could come but he couldn't, he wasn't welcome. He wasn't allowed, all right? So then he's in this temple, and you know who he is, you've seen him, you can't mistake him, and he's dancing, and praising, and shouting, and making a big scene in the church. And you know what? People start looking around. There's a crowd that gathers. He makes a scene and a crowd gathers around to see what crazy is going on. What has happened? Wait, I know that guy. I've seen him. Where did he come from? What's he doing? Wait a minute, he couldn't walk? What happened? Can you imagine what's going on? Put yourself in this place. Okay, now everything in this chapter starts here. Everything else that happened is because this man got healed and made a scene. Everything in this chapter is because of this man and this scene that happens, okay? Don't get lost in the fact that there's the judges and the Sanhedrin and the, and the fussing and the arguments and the pressure. It all started because a man got healed because Peter and John went to pray. And while they were going to pray, they gave a man such as they had. They didn't give him something they didn't have. They gave him what they had. All right? So now we've got the concept, all right? Now, if you want to continue on and look at all the things that Pastor Peter had to say about that, go back and listen to the messages. So they're arrested, Peter and John, because of this big scene They get arrested, arrested, put in jail, overnight. Not, hey, we walk in, we call a bailsman and we're out in 20 minutes. They're in jail overnight. The Sadducees, so they're people who don't believe there even is such a thing as an afterlife. There is no spirit realm. They completely deny anything that they can't see, touch, taste, feel, hear in this natural realm, okay? So if you can't have it in this room without anything else, it doesn't exist to them. You ever met people like that? You got to believe, you ever been one of those? Well, I didn't see it. It didn't happen. I can't explain it, it doesn't happen. It does, I don't understand it, it's a lie. See, that's what they did. They couldn't explain it, they didn't understand it, so they denied it. Said, it has gotta be some other reason. Can't be real, because it's, it's not explainable. I don't understand it, so don't be a Sadducee. No. We're gonna decide right now, say out loud, I'm not gonna be a Sadducee. I'm gonna believe God right here, right now. All right. So they get upset, they arrest Peter and John. And because it's evening, and I looked it up, because I'm just that kind of a nerd, I looked it up. They started at three o'clock prayer, sunsets at that time of year in Jerusalem, about 7.30. So we got four, four and a half hours, three and a half, four hours, something like that. Lots happened in three hours. Lives change in a couple of hours. You ever had life-changing events? Doesn't take long. Doesn't take long for your life to be totally, totally changed for forever. It's true. Things happen quick. And your life can be totally changed. So don't think that where you are right now and whatever mess is in your life Is permanent. Because things change in an instant, in a minute. Things changed for them in literally less than four hours. They were just going to prayer. They wound up in jail. Could that happen here in the U.S.? Yeah, it can. Yeah, it can. Ten years ago, no way. Not possible. Wouldn't have happened. But everybody in here is over 10 years old. In your lifetime, that's changed in this nation. It's changed. So you make a decision to stand up for God, you've got to know who you're standing up for. And you've got to know why you're standing up. Because it can change. They were going to prayer. And they wound up in jail. They didn't get to send a message home hey don't worry about me i guess peter's wife found out he was in jail didn't show up that night we know he's married so anyway wonder where peter is tonight bet she was mad about that right up until she found out oh wait he's in jail maybe i should be worried about that maybe i should pray So, we go through all of that. In that three hours, they lock them up because it's time; it's nighttime now. We can't go. You know what? They actually had a law said they could not hold court at night. Now, they broke that law for Jesus. Remember, they held court for him overnight? But now they're like, oh, wait, we're not going to have court. We're just going to lock them up. Now, they didn't have a reason to lock them up, except they just didn't like them. And they were causing a ruckus in the temple. All right, now, the next morning, they hold court to judge Peter and John. Like I said, Pastor Pete went through all of this, but now we've got the picture of what's going on. We're gonna step in where court is in full swing, all right? They've got an entire, they're standing in the middle with a giant group of at least 70 or more people sitting around them and all of them are against them. Because you know, they didn't exactly, you ever heard of stack in the court? they didn't exactly make sure they invited all the people that might have been on Peter and John's side, okay? They made sure they brought in all the people that wouldn't have been on Peter and John's side. So let's read Acts chapter four, verse 13. And I'm gonna switch between the Amplified and the New American. So um, Thomas has got our thing, it'll be on the, on the um, overhead for you. Now, when they saw, they being the people in the court, saw the boldness and the unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and untrained in the schools, common men with no educational advantages. They marveled and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, a few of those words are not ones, even though they're in the Amplified, they're not ones that we normally use on a regular okay but we're going to touch a base on them okay so he talked with they had boldness and they had unfettered eloquence so we kind of know what boldness is but just to be thorough I looked it up just a regular dictionary says willingness to take risks and act innovatively in a way that uses new methods and new ideas and with confidence or courage so they Peter, and obviously John too, says they, acted with boldness. So they brought something, they took a risk, they talked about something that was a new idea. Nobody had ever talked about Jesus being the Messiah. Nobody had ever said, wait, you killed him and God raised him from the dead. You've been acting directly against God. Remember where Pastor, ta- Pastor Allen was talking about Ahab saying, oh no, you're the one troubling Israel. It's the same thing. He's standing in front of them and saying, you are the reason we have this trouble. You did it. Unfettered, unrestrained or uninhibited, it means not controlled or limited by anyone or anything. So Peter is not intimidated by who he's standing in front of. Now this is Peter who is the fisherman who was cowering just literally less than two months ago when Jesus was on trial, okay? Something has happened in his life. Remember that, whole, things can change in an hour? Well, things have changed for Peter. He has changed. And then eloquence, now I get tickled because nobody in the, in the Gospels, nobody accuses Peter of being eloquent. <laughs> nobody ever goes, oh, Peter, you're just so eloquent. No, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. Nobody told Peter he was eloquent. Eloquent means fluent or persuasive in speaking or writing, clearly expressing or indicating something. He's clearly expressing all these concepts to the people who teach these concepts, It's a little bit like, as I was thinking about it, it's a little bit like me bringing a message standing here with Pastor Peter, Pastor Alan, and Pastor Marsha all in the same room. These are the people that taught me. Now, standing up and teaching in front of them is a little bit intimidating if I let it be. Just saying. But I have the confidence because I know they've taught me how to hear from Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit is the one that's going to bring the message. That's what Peter's doing. He's relying on Holy Spirit. So now these leaders, they're listening. They're listening to this bold, unfettered, uncensored, clearly communicated message. And it's powerful. And they're like, these are uneducated people. We didn't teach. They didn't come up through our school. Where did they learn this? How did they find this out? Where did they put all these verses together? How are they making this message so good? They're uneducated. They're commoners. You ever felt like somebody was looking down on you? Yeah. Well, they did that. But Let me just tell you, whether you are educated in the school of man or, e- or uneducated in the school of man, what you need is Holy Spirit. God will use you Whether you've been to seminary or college or wherever, God will use you if you will yield your heart to him. You don't have to have a piece of paper that says this school or that school approved you. What you need is the knowledge inside that God is with you and he wants you to say this. All right. So... They had been with Jesus. I'm going to talk a little bit about being outside your comfort zone. You ever been in a situation where you know you were completely outside your comfort zone? All right. How'd you behave? Did you change how you acted? See, I grew up, and I know this is going to surprise a lot of you. um, I lived in complete discomfort throughout all of my high school. I completely I didn't have any confidence in myself, in my abilities at all. And I was convinced if somebody was talking, they were talking trash about me. Very prideful, by the way. In college, and I did go to college because I, at that time I wanted to be a teacher, and that's the only way you could be a teacher is if you go to college. And um, so anyway, I made a quality decision when I was in college that I was going to step outside my comfort zone, quit trying to be a people pleaser, and guessing what everybody wanted me to act like and try to figure out how I would fit in. And I was like, you know what? Just going to be me. And if they like me, great. And if they hate me, it won't be any different than where I am right now. So that's what I did. And I enjoyed life. And some people loved me. And some people hated my personality. But I was okay with that. That was fine. And I entered into new groups and new situations pretty easily without a lot of trouble. Most of you would think that was my natural born ability because that's all you've seen. But it really isn't. And I thought I had left all that insecurity and all that self-consciousness behind until... My sweet husband decided to take me to a tailgating party for the USFL this summer. And I knew nobody. And I did not fit in at all. And I didn't know how to be, I'd never been to a football tailgating party, ever. I'd been to one baseball tailgating party for business with people that I knew. And that was still business. That was just going into a different place and we were outside, but it was still office and business. This was fun and football and man, oh man, was I out of my element. You know what I was thinking? What if I start, I mean, the only thing I talk about these days is Jesus. What if I start talking about Jesus and they're offended? Yeah, I went there. And let me just tell you, It was bad. I sat on the outside, I looked in, I watched other people. I tried to figure out how to start a conversation. I didn't have a clue. And I was completely out of my element as I watched my husband who is usually the one who is quiet and sitting outside and waiting on me to start a conversation and enter him in. And he was chatting and laughing and having fun and meeting people and I'm going, How did this happen? And where did I get here? I was completely outside my comfort zone and I was not unfettered. I was censoring my speech. I was changing who I was because I wanted to be accepted. That's not what Peter was doing. Peter said, I know they're going to be against me, but maybe, just maybe somebody in this group will hear what I'm saying and get saved and it'll change their eternal destiny. And it's more important to me that I do that than that I get comfort and peace and a pat on the back from these people who are judging me. Okay, so Steve was there at that football game, unconcerned about anything, and I was worried about fitting in. He had a blast, and I was very uncomfortable. So Peter is unfettered, not restrained by what the Sanhedrin members want him to say or how they expect him to behave. His primary concern is what my primary concern should have been that day. What's Holy Spirit going to say? How can I do what Jesus told me to do? What does God want me to do, and how does he want me to behave? So let's look at it. He's expecting Holy Spirit to help him. And he has a reason because he has a word from God. Let's look at Luke 12, 11 and 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. This is the new King James. It's now now when they, when they, that means whoever it is, bring you to the synagogues, the magistrates and the authorities. Well, they're standing in front of the authorities. Do not worry about how or what you should answer nor what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You don't have to be worried. The biggest thing I've ever heard is I've taught people how to share your faith is, how will I know what to say? Let Holy Spirit lead you. When he opens a door, you go through it. It's that simple. What does he have to say? where's that person? If they start talking to you about being hurt and you relate to something, something comes in your mind, you're like, you know what? I've been in that same situation and this is what God did to help me. That's all he wants you to do. Just talk to people. Share how God has helped you and it will help others. So it says now... When they, not if they, not occasionally they might, not this one time this might happen, but probably not. He said, when they bring you before the magistrates. So it's gonna happen. I wonder how long it was in that night in that jail before Peter and John remembered that verse. I wonder if they were freaked out or if they remembered it early on and went, we're good, Holy Spirit's gonna help us. He's gonna take care of us. Have you ever needed an answer to a really serious question? Someone just popped out the answer out of nowhere? Let's see, I can stand back and go, "Uh, you've done that, and 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 you've you've said that. Um, Yeah, I think you've had that occasionally. Um, Yeah, I think there are probably more than a half a dozen people in this room who have said or done something and you may not have ever known it, but what you said ministered to me. It answered something to me. It might have been from the pulpit, it could have been in the parking lot, it could have been over lunch. There have been times when people in this room have been used by Holy Spirit to answer a question in my life. How many of you can say, yep, that's happened? Mm Mm-hmm, all right. So um, sometimes the answers are from the pulpit. Um, And I will say, I wrote this as we did do this, but we still do this. Um, When we first came to this church, we had a habit of praying nightly together about just things going on. Steve and I would sit down, especially on Saturday nights. Even if we had a night or two during the week, we didn't get to do this. Especially on Saturday nights, we would talk and pray and just after we got the kids in bed when they were little in particular, um, and just spend a few minutes focusing on, God, these are some things that really really are concerning us and we need some answers and we just pray and we get up and we go to church and I say that you know we did that but it's been a habit for a long time um up until that point or until up until this point that I'm about to tell you about we really did not have literal out loud answers that I could ever have told you literal somebody answered that question literally out loud to us We would typically spend some time, like I said, praying. But we started coming to this church, and to our shock, literally the first time we were stunned, Pastor Allen would be in the middle of his sermon, and he would go off suddenly on a rabbit trail. He'd just take this wild left turn and go off somewhere and say the craziest things that had nothing to do with his sermon, nothing to do with anything that was going on that he was aware of, and he'd go just far enough in that story to give us a literal word-for-word answer to a question we had prayed about the night before. He does it, <laughs> best of pieces, he does it, that's the truth. After this happened, the first time, absolutely shocked. Did you hear what he said? Yeah, isn't that what we prayed about? Yes, it is what we prayed about last night. The conversation on the way home was pretty funny but after that happened a few times like more than once or twice or even three or four times one we thought it was hilarious when he would go I don't know why I got off on that let me get back to my sermon and he'd walk back to his notes and pick it up and we're going oh that's absolutely hilarious because he has no idea how much Holy Spirit just used him because in the natural he thought he got off on a rabbit trail And yet, Holy Spirit was using him to answer something. Now, can that happen in your life? Surely can. Are you praying on Saturday nights? Are you praying any night during the week? Are you asking God, hey God, I have this question and I don't know an answer to it. Would you please answer it? If you'll do that, he will answer it. He will. We sing that song, we didn't sing it today, but it is is absolutely one of my favorites. It says, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered me. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. Let me just tell you, that that could be a theme song for me. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. And that is why I trust him. He is so good, and he is so powerful. It's the literal reason. He is alive. He knows me. He hears me. He loves me, but even better than that, I'm here to tell you, he knows you. He knows right where you are. He knows what's in your heart. He knows you, he hears you. He hears when you cry at night. He hears when you're frustrated and you're furious and you're you're trying so hard and you're not getting what you know you're supposed to get. He knows when that person betrayed you. He knows when they hurt you. And he cares. And he loves you so much that he's literally begging you, would you please bring that to me and let me heal you? Would you please, please let me help you in that area? I want to. He loves you right where you are, right in the middle of your mess, right in the middle of the betrayals, and he has the answers that you need. Just ask him. So the answer doesn't have to come, as Pastor talked about with thunder and lightning, crashes, sound of abundance of rain, it's all there. Doesn't have to come that way. Sometimes, sometimes it does. (laughs) And it's a very supernatural answer. But sometimes it's a comment. Sometimes it's a rabbit trail. Sometimes it's a nudging to do this or that. Sometimes it's a sick feeling in your stomach saying, "Mm mm-mm, don't you go there. You need to stay away from that. You don't need to do that. He's trying to tell you, no, that's not for you. I've got something better for you. And he does. So Peter, in this verse, we're really still in Acts 4. (laughs) Peter in this verse had a supernatural answer. But there were no trumpets. There was no crash of thunder. No lightning striking dead the people that were accusing him didn't happen that way. He had a word. He had a word for them. And that word got him in trouble. It wasn't the word they wanted to hear. He didn't censor it because if you censor the word that God gives you, you're going to stand before God for censoring that word because those people had to hear it. Now, they're going to stand before God because they heard it and what do they do with it? But he did not have to stand before God over this because he gave it to him and now it's theirs to deal with. So he said, he heard the Lord and he yielded the Holy Spirit to say what he heard. And what he said was so bold expressing this new idea that Messiah had actually come and they missed him. Worse yet, they killed him. And not only was he taking a huge risk in saying this in this situation, He was bold enough to say it anyway, to say it unfettered, without limiting it, without censoring it, just to please his audience. And he was eloquent with it. Holy Spirit got it across in a way that made sense, that clearly communicated it. And they were all completely baffled totally unable to comprehend the boldness of these men giving such clear explanation for their beliefs and the only way that they could grasp it they could understand it was saying these men have been with Jesus that's who taught them they didn't go to a traditional school like we think of a traditional school but that Jesus he taught them do you know that Jesus will teach you too In fact, he wants to teach you so much. (laughs) Not only had they been with Jesus, as amazing as that had to have been, as amazing. Think about literally walking with Jesus. We hear about, we read about, we study literally seeing Jesus walking with him, talking with him, what he said on this earth, how he was born, how he lived, how he died, and all the stuff in between. We study it, and we study it, and we study it, and we study it, we teach our kids. We sing songs about it. We read about it. We, we spend time in it, right? But Jesus said there's something even better. Luke excuse me, John sixteen, seven. And by the way, if you want to read about what Jesus had to say about Holy Spirit, John chapters 13 through 17 are when Jesus teaches on Holy Spirit. And it'd really help you to study that if you haven't already. And if you have, it's great to go back. So John 16 and verse seven says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, this is Jesus talking. It's to your advantage that I go away. And it's such a crazy statement. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I'm not lying here, guys. It's a benefit to you if I leave. And they're going, no way. Like, that's not possible. He's, he gives the explanation. For if I go not, I do not go away, the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But... If I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus is telling them it's to your advantage, literally better for them and better for you that he left so that he could send Holy Spirit to be your helper. It's amazing to me. I didn't walk with Jesus. Not literally, not physically. And it stuns me. But they did. And he's saying this literally to them. I've got to go away so that you can get something better. Crazy. Now, some would tell you, and I've heard it said, and please don't think it's blasphemy that I'm quoting someone else's statement that I think is wrong, but they might say you can take or leave Holy Spirit. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus says in John 13 20, most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. So Jesus is saying, I was sent by Father God and I am going back to Father. And when I get there, I'm sending Holy Spirit in my place. So if you And he he says, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send. So who does he send? Most of the time we think of that as saying, you know what? Pastor Pete is anointed of God to be the pastor of this house. And I better understand and listen to what he has to say. And that's true. That's true. He should have a, a literal word from God that speaks into your life, that stands in line with the word of God and is truth to bless you. That is true. But don't forget Jesus sent Holy Spirit, and he says, if you receive who I send, Holy Spirit, you're receiving me. We need Holy Spirit in our lives. He's not just a holy cloud in the corner waiting for, you know, whatever. He's not just a thing. He is a part of the Godhead, and he is here to help you as if Jesus was standing next to you, whispering in your ear, what do you do in this situation? He's literally that close. He's literally that involved in your life if you will let him be. So let's go back to John 16, 7 again. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus said, I, Jesus, will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you. So when we receive Holy Spirit, we receive Jesus, who sent the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to receive Holy Spirit? What does it mean to receive Jesus? I think most of you are saved in here. But what does it mean? Because if we're gonna talk to people on the street, we need to clearly understand it ourselves. So let's explain it and talk about it like you've never heard it before. And think about it like you've got to explain it to somebody who's never heard it before, okay? To accept what the Bible says about Jesus and the Holy Spirit is true. That's what it means, it's simple what the Bible says, what this book says about Jesus is true. What this book says about God is true. What this book says about Holy Spirit is true. I believe it with everything in me, I believe it. And if it says something, says that I'm doing something that's wrong, that I need to straighten up, I'm gonna change. I'm not gonna say this book has to change. I'm gonna say I have to change. If I'm not getting something that he promises in here, then something's wrong with me. It's not wrong with his word. It's my understanding of his word. Somewhere, somehow, some way, I've believed a lie, and I need to understand the truth and get that lie out of my head so that I can understand it and live it and have the, have the things, have literally in my life on a day-to-day basis those things that he promises me. So when we receive Holy Spirit, we do the same thing. What he says about holy spirit is true he says i can speak in tongues i can speak in tongues if he says he's going to be my helper i can be he can be a helper he can help me it's not too hard for him if he says he can lead and guide and direct me then he can lead and guide and direct me and i'm not going to be so set in what i'm going to do that i'm not willing to change that i'm not willing to turn to go a different route to stop a different way I've been listening to um, someone on on, uh, Instagram who talks about crazy God stories. I kind of like them. Exciting. Mm -hmm. He talks about just his everyday life. God stopped him to do something. And one of them I saw recently, he said he was on the way to go hours and hours. And there were two gas stations. And there's one on the right hand that's easy to get to. And he starts to pull into it. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you in the other one. He says, no, I got to go all the way across the parking lot and across the traffic. It's just, it's just easier to be here. Holy Spirit says, you can do that, but if you do, you're missing me and you're missing an opportunity I have for you. Okay, God. He puts his car back and goes and turns and went, goes across to the other traffic. You know what he did in there? He didn't have raise anybody from the dead. He, didn't have, he just spoke to the clerk and encouraged him. And the time that delayed here, Put him a few minutes behind. He stopped at another gas station a couple of miles down the road. The guy's a mechanic. Comes out of that gas station, somebody's car won't start. Now, if he'd been the 10 or 15 or 20 minutes ahead, that he, he'd have missed it. He wouldn't have been there to minister to that one. At that time, bless them, fix their car, wasn't a big deal, he said, and talk to them about Jesus. It was 20 minutes out of his day, 30 minutes out of his day, on a seven or eight hour drive. But he listened and it's simple, it's just simple. So getting back to Acts 13, 413, excuse me. We see that Peter and John have the Holy Spirit helping them and we watch as Luke records what's being played out, how it happens. How did he help them? When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Seeing the man who had been healed, remember it all started with that, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves. So they send Peter and John outside and they have a conference without them listening. And this is what they say what are we going to do with these men? Indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. That's evident. Indeed, um, all who dwell in Jerusalem, excuse me, indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We can't deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that they from now on speak no more no speak to no man in this name so they called them back in and they commanded them not to speak at all or to teach in the name of Jesus but Peter and John answered and said to them now here's some more boldness coming out whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard So when they had further threatened them, so they threatened them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So we see these leaders, where's their fear? Did they have a fear of God? They were afraid of the people. They were more concerned about the people's opinion of them than they were about God's opinion. Even though Peter spelled it out here, what you are doing is in direct opposition to what God wants done. You are standing in the way of the plan of God for right now, for this time, for this place. I don't wanna be in that place. God wants to come through here. That's kind of like standing on the interstate and you've got tractor trailers coming down. I don't want to be there. God is coming through and his plan is going to come to pass. Like Esther, you can get up and work with it or you're going to get out of the way and it's going to plow you over. I don't want to be plowed over. I don't want to be in God's way. I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing but on his side, on his side. How many I want to be on God's side. I do not want to be on the other side against God. That's not a safe place to be. So these people had no fear of God. I didn't record it, but there's a verse that talks about the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. They thought they were so smart, they didn't have any wisdom. They didn't have any fear of God. it's spelled out to them, you're standing in God's way. And they wouldn't move. I'm not talking about a terrified, shaking, cowering in the corner fear of God because he's going to zap you or thump you off into hell if you make the wrong move. That's not the God we serve. He took care of that with Jesus. You get behind Jesus, you are safe and secure for eternity. You serve Jesus, you do what he says. Jesus, I believe you are who who God says you are. I believe you're the son of God. You died for me, you took the curse for me, and I'm standing firmly on that promise. You're good, okay? That's how you get saved. You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. So we don't have to be afraid of God in a terrified, fearful way. But these people, they weren't afraid of God at all. So I'm talking more in the fear of God now about a holy awe of who he is, recognition of his authority, his power, his divine plan, and a willingness to just get out of his way. They wouldn't do that. They were full of pride, self-importance, they determined that what they wanted was so much more important than anything else, especially what God wanted because it was opposite what they wanted. They stood directly between God and his plans, not just for the day, not just, but for the entire earth, for the nations of the world, they stood in the way. I'm gonna encourage you to look at the things that you're opposed to in your life? What things are you standing up against? Is there anything in your life that you know God wants done and you refuse to do it? I'm going to encourage you to not get out of that way. Bend your heart. Bend your knee. Bow your knee and allow him to work it out. You may not know how, You may not know where. There've been relationships in my life that were just a mess for literally upwards of 20 or 30 years. And I had to bow my knee. I had to say things I didn't wanna say. I had to turn things that had truly hurt me into things that I gave to God. And I had to let him find a way to heal those situations and those relationships. But let me tell you, it was worth every bit of humbling I did. It was worth every bit of hurt that I let go of. It was worth everything because now I'm healed. I'm not holding on to a wound drinking poison to hope somebody else gets hurt. I'm healed. I'm clean. Let's get a little more specific. Are you opposed to a certain, I don't know, style of music? Lighting? Songs? Kinds of clothing? Maybe you like like jewelry, some kind of jewelry, or you don't like some kind of jewelry. Maybe you like tattoos, or you don't like tattoos. What are you going to do When someone who doesn't fit your idea of a church person, God puts them in front of you and says, I want you to lead them to me. Are you going to accept them and go right where you are, right in the middle of your mess? I'm going to love you and I'm going to draw you to the God who loved me and drew me to him. What are we going to do, church, when desperate people in this world find out that Jesus is the only way. When they've tried everything else and suddenly they see you and they're like, grab hold of you like a life raft at the Titanic. This place is going down and I have no hope and I see you're floating, I need help. Are you gonna lead them to God? What about when they come in our church? and they make a ruckus, and they dance, and they sing in a way that we're not used to? What if they behave in a way that we aren't ready for? What if they dress in a way that you don't approve of? Are we going to love them? Are we going to encourage them? Are we going to bless them? We certainly aren't going to judge them. I'm not going to stand in God's way. We have to think about that and make that decision today because who knows, next week, this world could have something happen and the church fill up with hurting people. You know what hurting people do? They hurt people. They hurt people. I've been bitten by a dog twice in my life. Both times were puppies they were babies. Two different puppies, same litter, same week. (laughs) See, we found these puppies, we were driving home, and we found these puppies, and they had been, we found out later, abandoned weeks before, when they were entirely too little to be on their own, and they had been running wild in the woods for weeks, more than half their life. And one of them got hit by a car. We stopped to help. We wound up with finding six puppies that we had to find homes for. And we got to keep this one adorable little guy who had a broken leg and some other injuries because he was the one that was hit by a car. And, you know, nobody wants a puppy that's been hit by a car and has a broken leg. Okay? So we did. We took care of him. And he was the cutest little fella. But he wasn't used to being around people. He didn't start out being loved and cared for and tended to like a puppy should be. So instead of coming to us when we called, sometimes he'd run, broken leg and all, quick little guy. So I took him out in the middle of the night one night, go to the bathroom, and he scoots off. I mean, he's got a broken leg, how fast can he be, right? Oh, he was quick. And he scooted off directly under a rosebush. And rosebush did exactly what rosebushes do. Had a lamb coming down, and that little guy got the, got the rosebush stuck between the edge of his leg and his cast. And it didn't matter how hard he pulled, that cast was pulling and the leg was pulling and the rosebush was doing what rose bushes do. It was hurting him. I reached down to help him. And you know, he couldn't recognize that I was helping him. He thought I was back there hurting his leg. And he did what puppies do when they're being hurt. He bit me. Now, I had a choice. Leave him there and just go, forget it. You bit, you bit me, done, I'm done with you, forget it. Get yourself out of this. No, he's a baby and he hurts. I helped him. I still was bleeding. I still had to take care of my hand. I still was wounded. (sighs) But it didn't change the fact that he needed help. And it wasn't his fault. Earth, this world had attacked him. He didn't understand cars, but it was a car that hit him. He didn't understand all of the world He didn't understand rose bushes or casts or any of those things. He just knew he hurt and he was going to fight back. And sometimes when we reach out to hurting people, they're going to bite. They're going to hurt. And let me tell you, if they hurt you, you've got to decide now, are we still willing to see past the pain? that they cause and still help them? Will we love them anyway? Now, that's fine to say, oh, absolutely, I'm going to do that. When you're not the one being bitten, it's easy to go. Now, Miss Elaine, I know that they said such and such, so, when you're not the one being bitten, but when you're the one that's been bitten, it's a whole other level to still reach out and still Love. We can't do that without the help of Jesus. We can't do that without the help of Holy Spirit. We have to lean on him to have the ability to lean in to him. So after that, let's go back. And I'm finishing up. I know we're going to be out at 12. We will. I believe in us. So the last thing. We're going to look at Acts four twenty three. After they were permitted to go, the apostles returned to their own company, told all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. The first thing they did was return to their own company. I grew up not in church. You people online, you precious folks that are listening and watching online, let me tell you, I've been where you were. I've been where you are now. I grew up watching television to get church. And I missed out on a lot. I'm gonna encourage you to come home, come sit in the sanctuary, come be with people. We love you and we want you here. We're not mad at you, we miss you. And we have things to help you. See, when they went to their own company They had somebody to help bandage their wounds, to listen to their stories, because they didn't just tell about what the chief priests and elders had done. They told about the man getting healed. And then they told about the persecution that they'd been under. And then they told about their night in prison. And guess what? They said, and guess what Holy Spirit did? He told me what to say in the middle of it. Oh yeah, and by the way, they threatened us, and they threatened us some more, and they threatened us some more. There's a lot of threatening going on. But they had a company to go to. And when they went to that company, they had somebody to listen, to love them, to build them back up, and they did something that was way better than that. Because listening is important, and we need that. But they did more than that. Acts 4.23, excuse me, 4.24, so when they had heard that, all that had happened to them since their arrest the night before, since they went to prayer, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and sea and all that's in them, who by by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the nation's rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. See, they found their time in the scriptures. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on these threats. Grant to your servants... That with all boldness, there's that word again. They may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. That signs and wonders may be done through the through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They prayed and they sought the Lord, and he heard and he answered. Verse thirty one. And when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Together, excuse me, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. With great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the, po- the proceeds of the things they were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The immediate results of prayer, an amazing manifestation. The building literally shook. That's power. It doesn't say there was an earthquake in all of Jerusalem. It says the place where they prayed was shaken. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. There's that boldness again. It's spreading and connected the Holy Spirit fullness. Do you see that? Now we know that Peter and John were in the upper room. They got filled on the day of Pentecost. but They got filled again here. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. The Amplified says debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The Amplified says, ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. The, The original is be being filled. It's a continual thing. So we see that we need Holy Spirit. We need him, not just a one time done. We need him every second, every day, every minute. So let's pray. Lord, we see how Holy Spirit is a helper, and we need holy help. We see he's a gift from you, and we accept your gift. Fill us fresh, fill us again. Help us to be being filled. Fill us over and over and over again until we are so full that we spill out and flood over and bless those around us. Help us to be in your plan and your will. Let it be said of us, They have been with Jesus. Let it be said of us that church over there, you need Jesus, you go talk to one of them. Not because we have the great breast property, but because we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we walk with you, and we honor you, and you work with us and through us, and we're in your plan. We want to be in your plan. Lord, if there's anything in us that's blocking the plan of God in our lives, We ask you to shine a light on it and to help us that we would move it out of the way. Help us today to live in the way that you want us to live. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.